0: Good morning. Welcome. So glad you're here this morning. If this is your first time here, my name is Matt Halp. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View Church, and I'm so glad you came to worship with us this morning. If you're joining us online for the first time, welcome. We're so glad you've joined us as well. We're in a sermon series called Train Like a Champion. Uh, We're in the book of 1 Corinthians. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, and it's been really great to go through it. Some really practical stuff that he's given to apply to our lives, these biblical truths that we apply to our lives, and the Holy Spirit does really crazy, miraculous things as he changes us and makes us more like Jesus. So it's been been a great sermon series so far, and I'm really excited about the word from the Lord I have for you today. It's, It's It's really, really awesome. I've enjoyed working on it. Um, And I I was able to share it with the pastors Thursday as we go through the sermons and work through those uh, before we share them on Sunday mornings. And um, it was exciting. So I can't wait to share that with you. But before we jump in to today's sermon, how about those Browns? Anybody? Did anybody see that game last Sunday? And I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a game at three o'clock, right? So I guarantee to have you out of here by three. So we're good, right? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, It's interesting. Now, all this is going to tie together. I'm not just talking about the Browns here. This is going to tie into the sermon, okay? uh, Kevin Stefanski, the coach of the Cleveland Browns. It was said that he gathered with the owners, the coaches, and the team uh, when he took over the team. And he he wanted to share with them and get things started on the right foundation. And um, the story goes that he talked about four H's. He talked about their history. He talked about their heroes. He talked about their heartaches. We know there's quite a few of those, right? And he talked about their hopes. And uh, uh, Joe, uh, Pastor Joe was sharing that with me earlier this week. And I'm like, man, I, that feels like I've heard that somewhere before. Where, where, you know, where, does, he, where does he get this, this stuff from? Where did he get this from? And then I went back to my sermon notes for this week. Well, guess what Paul's going to do to the church in Corinth as he's going through this section of 1 Corinthians in chapter 10? He's going to talk about their history, their heroes, their heartaches, and their hopes. Isn't that neat? So today is kind of a brown sermon. We're going to go with uh, Paul's sermon, though, to the church in Corinth. We're going to look at, um, really, our, our history as Christians. And we're going to talk about our hopes and our heartaches and all these things that Paul's going to point out. Now, it's, I love how Paul's laid out this text in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. So if you're trying to get there, it's where we're at. I love how he lays it out. There's a key phrase in this text that we want to make note of before we jump into things. And it's this. These things were recorded. These things were written down to be an example to you and for you. So it says it two times. And he gives us these, these lists of things that are meant to be these examples. And, and I've already kind of given it away in the four H's the, the history and the heroes, the heartaches and the hopes. So uh, let's uh, pray before I read God's word for us this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And it's, it's a great miracle that this, this, the scriptures have made their way to us through century after century. That you have preserved this word for your church. Well, God, we recognize that miracle in and of itself. And as we open it this morning, we don't take it lightly. We recognize what it is. It is God-breathed. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, piercing to the heart of humanity, even down to the bone, separating bone from marrow. So, Father, as we read your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would deepen our understanding of your truth encourage and empower us to apply the truth to our lives that it would change us so that we can live out the mission that you've set before us. This world-changing, life-changing mission of sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone that we meet. Make it real for us today, Father, as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pick it up. First Corinthians 10, verse 1. Paul starts out, he says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, now, these things took place as an example for us. You might want to underline that or circle it or highlight it, however you do that in your Bible. It's a key phrase. Now, these things took place as an example for us that we might not desire evil as they did. All right, that's our example. He moves on. He says, "...do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did." And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now here it is again. Now these things happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, therefore means because of all those things, let anyone who thinks that he stands to take heed lest he fall. God's word for us today. All right. I love this, this section of scripture. I love how it's laid out. It's just really clear for us. These are examples, these three sets of each of these things, these encouragements, and then these, these watch out for in here is really good. The first thing I want to point out is this, and it's the first fill in in your notes as you're following along. We need to remember the great works God has done. We need to remember the great works that God has done. In verse, right there, he starts out, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were under the cloud, passed through the sea, were baptized into Moses, ate the spiritual food, drank spiritual drink, drank from the spiritual rock that followed him. The rock was Christ. Paul is pointing this out to Corinth, and he's pointing it out to us as well. We need to take note. God showed his faithfulness. That's really what Paul's pointing out. Look at your history. Look at your heroes. Look at Moses. Look at what God has done through Moses. Look at what God has done for his chosen people. And then Paul points out three things that God's faithful, faithfulness means for the church in Corinth and means for mission view. So check this out. The first one is this, God's direction. There's three things I'll give them to you real quick. Direction, protection, provision. We're going to talk about them just for a second. The first one is direction. He talks about this cloud. Now, if you're not, you know, an Old Testament scholar, or maybe you haven't spent a whole lot of time reading in the Old Testament, let me just tell you a little story here real quick so we can all be on the same page. In the Old Testament, God chose a special people and set them aside that they would be the bloodline where God would bring Jesus Christ, his son, to the earth through them. These were the Israelites or the Jews, God's chosen people. He had set them aside. He was going to bring a deliverer, a savior, his son, through this chosen people. Now, this chosen people, the Israelites, man, they were a hot mess. (laughs) The whole Old Testament, you know, as Paul's talking about, they were to be our example here, you know, and they made a bunch of mistakes. Yeah, they were a great example for us in the good and the bad. So over time, they made mistake after mistake. And God had to send kings and he sent prophets and he sent these guys who would call them back unto himself. Really what we get from this Old Testament story that goes through thousands of years, what we get is this idea of of a people that struggled with faithfulness and a God that was ever faithful. Always faithful. No matter how often these Israelites would turn their back on God, God would be faithful. We have this amazing story. So, Paul's quoting some specific things here. Uh, The chosen people were in captivity in Egypt, they were slaves. And God raises up this guy named Moses to set his people free. You may have heard that in Sunday school, the song that Moses set my people free, you know. But um, he raises up Moses and he says, Moses, go to Pharaoh, tell him to set set my people free. Well, it doesn't go over real well because Pharaoh doesn't want to lose his army of slaves that's building all of his stuff. And Anyways, God sends plagues and all these different crazy supernatural things and, and God does this miracle where eventually Pharaoh says, all right, set the uh, Jewish people, the Israelites free, set them free and, and um, we'll just go from there. Well. He sets them free, but then he actually sends his armies after them. And that's where we get the story of Moses and God parting the Red Sea. And, you know, these armies are chasing the Israelites. You can there's even movies about it. You can watch the movies about it. And they the Israelites go across the Red Sea on dry land. And and then As the armies of Egypt are chasing them, the seas come crashing down, and and God protects his people from the Israelites. And as they're going through this wilderness, God promises them a land that they can have that would be their own. And they go through this wilderness for years. They're going through this wilderness, and this cloud, this glory cloud, or this presence of God cloud guides them through the wilderness. They have all these supernatural miracles. And they're in a the desert, right? They're hungry and they're thirsty. And God supernaturally provides for them food from heaven. Could you imagine this? It's like it's called manna. Food from heaven falls from the skies in the desert. And they have food to eat. And, and they're thirsty, right? So God provides water for them. And Moses takes this stick and hits this rock. And water comes flying out of a rock. And they have water from heaven. I mean, all these supernatural, miraculous things that God has done for his chosen people. And Paul's saying right here, don't you remember this? Don't you remember the cloud? Don't you remember the, the waters that were part of the sea? Don't you remember, you know, the food that came from heaven and the water that came out of a rock? God worked miraculous things as he directed them and was with them in the wilderness. As he protected them, parted the Red Sea, and then took care of Pharaoh's armies for them. And then he provided for their very needs of water and food directly from heaven and from a rock. This miraculous history and heroes that we have to look to. And Paul points out that we have Christ. We don't have heroes. We have a hero. And his name is Jesus Christ. He says, don't be unaware. That's how he starts out this part, right? He says, don't be unaware. Now, let me tell you, the church in Corinth wasn't unaware. Every person that was Jewish or any person that came into the church in that time were fully aware of the miracles that God had done. The church back then, it wasn't quite like the church today. They memorized the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. They, their Bible was the Old Testament at this time and, and was becoming the New Testament too. But they, their studies were in this first five books. They, they knew all about the exodus, the freedom from slavery. They knew all about the supernatural workings that God did. This was the stuff that they, they were very familiar with. So why would Paul say, I don't want you to be unaware they were fully aware. I think this is what Paul's trying to get at. It's not that we don't know that God works miracles in our lives. It's, it's not that none of, us, none of us sitting here today are unaware of the miracles that God did throughout the Old Testament. But not just that. What about us today? None of us here today are joining us online. None of us are unaware of this supernatural, miraculous working of God in our lives. But, do we remember in a way that changes our today? Do we remember it in a way that changes our tomorrow? Mission view, I don't want you to be unaware that we serve a powerful, miraculous, ever-present God who is active in your life right now. His Holy Spirit lives inside of you and is changing you and growing you for the glory of God and your good. I don't want you to be unaware. That knowledge of this miraculous, miracle-working God who's ever-present and working in our lives is meant to change us. It's meant to empower us and grow us as we live through this life. Here's the greatest miracle. It's greater than any Red Sea being parted. It's greater than any water coming out of a rock. It's greater than any any of the cloud or any of that. Here's the greatest miracle God's ever performed. Are you ready? It's right here. It's this. It's that God has brought you from death to life. It is the greatest miracle God has ever done that he would take a sinner like me and he'd put his holy Spirit in me and change me and give me life and change me for his glory and my good. And and put me on a stage to share that truth with you. He's done it for you. And you are meant to share that truth with your coworkers and your family members and your neighbors. It's a glorious destiny that God has set aside for you. I don't want you to be unaware. That's what Paul's getting at. Don't be unaware. We're fully aware, but does this awareness change my today? Does it change your conversation after church today? Does it change your conversation at the lunch table at school or maybe lunch table in the break room at work? Is it changing us? That's what Paul's getting at. Don't forget who saved you. Amen? Man, that's good news. That is such good news. He's reminding us. Do you remember Does your remembering compel you to worship and obedience? God's grace is so good. So good. We don't deserve it. We could never earn it. But God, full of mercy and grace, sent his son Jesus to die in our place. He took our sin, endured our suffering. You know what that means? It means God will do what he says he will do. Because thousands and thousands of years ago, he chose a certain people. And he says, this people will bring my son to humanity. He will be the one that bridges the gap sin has created. And you know what? He did it. And God, in his sovereignty and choosing, has allowed me and you to live on this side of the cross. And he's given us this book that is very, his breath breathed out onto the page that tells us the very history of his miraculous, powerful working. And it doesn't just tell us his history. It tells us our future and his future. We know how the story ends. What a glorious grace that is. We don't have to worry about who's president. We don't have to worry about a pandemic. We don't have to be overwhelmed by these things because we know that we know that we know the end of the story. And the king sits on the throne. And his name's Jesus. God's grace for you and me. Now, let's take a moment. Let's just take a moment here. I want us to think about what are those pivotal moments, those life changing moments you look back on that you know, that you know, that you know, man, that was God, right? That was God. There is no denying it. Man, God did something crazy in my life. That was God. Do you remember it? Do you remember that moment? Maybe it's being here right now. You're thinking, I was looking for a church. I wasn't looking for a church. Or maybe you just found us online just looking for something. That moment might be right now. Maybe it's the first time you're hearing that there's a creator God that loves you, that cares about you, that has a destiny set aside for you. We need to remember those pivotal, life-changing moments when God protected, provided, and directed us. So we remember and we testify of the history and hero who has gone before us. Now, next Paul gets to those heartaches and hopes. Let's check it out. Verse 5. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. He's referring to that first list we already went through verse 7. Do not be an idolaters as some of them were as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That word um, in the Hebrew play, he's quoting the Old Testament, so it's Hebrew there. Um, that play stands for sexual immorality. They were eating and drinking and doing all types of immoral things after that. We must not indulge, verse 8, we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test. He's, here's that list, the second thing. We must not put t- Christ to the test, as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. Again, he's quoting an Old Testament story that happened. Nor grumble, as some of them did, and d- destroyed by the destroyer. Now, these things happened to them as an example. Here's our second set of examples. But they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. The second fill-in in your notes from this section is this. We need to learn from their examples. We need to learn from their examples. Paul points out three ways the Israelites were not faithful, in contrast with three ways that God was faithful. We already went through those three faithful ways. Now, here's three ways that the Israelites were not faithful. The first one is sexual sin, they were eating and drinking and getting up to to sexual immorality, they were lovers of self and pleasure. Lovers of self and pleasure. The second one, he talks about testing the Lord. The Bible actually says, do not put the Lord to the test. Now, if we go back and and work through that text, here's what you're going to look at. And you'll get to do that this week in your community groups. So I'm excited about that. You're going to get to be able to take a deeper look. But here's what you're going to find. Is that putting the Lord to the test in that context means impatience. The root of the problem is they were impatient. They were impatient. The third one, Grumbling. They were grumbling, and here's what really was happening under this grumbling: is they wanted Egypt more than they wanted the Promised Land. You're going to go back and read about that. God sets them free. They do all these miracles. They're in the. They they get all this stuff, manna. You know all this crazy supernatural stuff, and they get to the point where they're like, "Take us back to slavery. We just man, just give us Egypt. We're just die out here in the wilderness as they eat heavenly manna, (laughs) eat water from a rock." had seen the Dead Sea. You see where I'm going with this? Okay, just crazy, right? It's just amazing, you know, how quickly the human heart can turn. Just amazing. So three things. Sexual sin, testing the Lord, or impatience, grumbling, wanting slavery more than they want freedom. Okay, That's what they, they were going for. They loved, short, or loved short-lived and fleeting pleasures more than the pleasures found in the Lord. They wanted what they wanted, and they wanted it now. They were sick of hearing about the promised land. They wanted instant land. They, then they grumbled. They went so far as to say, take us back to the slavery we've been set free from. These stories of the sinfulness of God's chosen people were written down for you and me to guard us and to be a warning to us. We read these stories and we see the Red Sea parted, the cloud that guided them, God's very presence with them through the wilderness, water from a rock, miracle after miracle, and then we see their wickedness. They turn back to idols and idolatry so quickly I think to myself, I don't know about you, but as I read the Old Testament, I hear about these stories and I look back and I just think to myself, how can you do it? (laughs) Right? How that just, how can you go there? We think about it. Freed from slavery by the powerful plagues that God sends, Red Sea parted, crushing the enemies under the Red Sea, supernatural clouds and wilderness and promised land, food from heaven, water from rock, it's amazing, it's amazing, and, and in the midst of that, you want to build a golden calf and say, that's God, but we do the same thing, we do the same thing, we look to created things for what only the creator can give us, Ultimate peace, hope, joy, and happiness. We are an instant gratification society. Can't afford it? Charge it. Want it hot? Microwave it. Want an Ethiopian blend, iced sugar free latte with non fat milk, dash cinnamon, vanilla, and chocolate? No problem. Starbucks has got you within you know, a minute and a half. We think we're different, but our idols are just different. We may not melt down a bunch of gold and create a golden calf. But we all have golden calves in our lives. We may not have seen the Red Sea parted or water from a rock or been guided by a supernatural cloud, but we have a greater miracle, a better miracle. We have the very Spirit of God living inside of us, empowering us to change, drawing us to righteousness, giving us the strength to say no to sin. I wonder what the Israelites up in heaven, looking down at us are thinking, man, I thought we were bad, (laughs) right? As we read about them, we're like, man, I thought I was bad. Look at these guys. They're probably up in heaven and going, man, I thought I was bad. Look at these guys. They got the Holy Spirit in them. Hmm. The creator of the universe is active in our lives, changing us. Man, I want that to sink in. I want you to hear that today. If you're here searching for something, you don't even know why you're watching this online. Here's why you're watching this. You were created by God for God. He knows your name. In fact, he knew your name before he created anything. And he had plans set aside for you. He knows you. He wants to be in relationship with you. Talking, talking with you through his word and prayer and worship, being a part of a church. That is your destiny, to be world changers through the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Look at that, verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. It's the gospel. You wonder what the end of the ages is? You know what the end of the ages is? That's when Christ was, that's the mark. You know where we base our entire timeline on? That AD, that's where Christ. That's a, AD stands for the year of our Lord. Yeah, all of time is based around Christ. <laughs> the end of the ages is Christ. When he came, when the gospel, the good news of Jesus came, it was real for humanity. That began the end of the ages. This is for me and for you. The gospel, these stories are for us. We have the testimonies of the people who walked before us with Christ. We have the word of God breathed onto paper. We have the very Holy Spirit of God bringing the the scriptures to life in our hearts and in our minds, empowering us to, to change. But we still run to created things. We looked at it last week and we said it this way. If good things in this life don't propel us to worship and praise God, we're doing it wrong. The Israelites were doing it wrong, and they are our example of what not to do. I think so often we miss the miracle. They missed the miracle. I mean, they saw it firsthand. I mean, what a sight it must have been. It's not that they didn't see it. They saw it. They just missed its empowering work. I think we do the same thing. The small things, even. The little things, like our freedom. I mean, for those of us sitting here in Ohio, we have complete and total freedom. There may be some watching online that don't have this kind of freedom. New job. Maybe our families. New opportunities. Cold food in the fridge or, or hot food from that microwave. We take for granted the gifts that God's given us that we should never stop praising God for. What are I mean, we have these big miracles in our lives where God came in and, and took us from death and brought us to life. But what about those, those everyday miracles? Well, you didn't choose where you were born. You didn't choose this freedom. God chose that for you. What a grace and mercy. Not, a, not everyone has that. What are those, those those miracles that have happened in your life? Maybe those daily miracles, those mercies of God that are new every morning. We have, to, we have to keep our eyes on Christ, the work that Jesus is doing in us, right? We just have to stay focused. As soon as we take our eyes off Jesus, something else has our attention, our focus, and eventually our worship. You tracking with me on that? As soon as we take our eyes off Jesus, something else has our attention, our focus, and eventually our worship. I think this is one of the key applications to this text. What, do we, what is one of the things we can walk away from this text with is this, is that we need to keep our eyes on Christ. What are the things, here's a good question we can ask ourselves to kind of gauge this and measure this in our hearts is, when you're tired, when you're weary, when you're just exhausted, maybe when you're frustrated, maybe when you're hungry or hangry, what do you go to? What's your go-to? When you need your batteries recharged, what is it? What do you go to? That's that's what's worshiping. And this goes for all of us. You know, this, this warning, this thing that Paul's pointing out, it goes for every one of us. None of us are immune. Look what he says in verse 12. Therefore, let anyone, anyone who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. Anybody. We can all fall into this. Here's the third point. This is like deep theology here. You ready for this? This is really deep. If we think we got it, we don't got it. Can you follow with that one? There's your theology for, for this morning. No, that's what he's saying. If you think you got it, you don't got it. Talking about pride. We get to that point where, we're like, you know. Our spiritual walk and our spiritual life's firing on all cylinders, man. We're opening up our Bible in the mornings. We're praying with our spouse or our kids. We've got the devotions after dinner happening. And my job's going, well. just got a raise and all this stuff. And everything's good, man. Everything's going great. And I've got spirituality figured out. It's It's all locked in and it's all good to go. We'll just cruise along right here at 55 or 45 whatever it may be. Really, Paul's been talking about this idolatry and everything else, and then he gets to pride. Pride leads to idolatry. How does pride lead to idolatry? Here's a couple of keys we get from Scripture. Pride gives us a false confidence. Pride gives us a false confidence. We can think that we're just cruising at 45 and pride will blind us to see that we're not doing 45, the engine is smoking, we're doing about 15, and we're headed off a cliff. That's what pride does. It blinds us to our own blindness. It gives us a false confidence. Pride stunts our growth. When you have pride and you think you've arrived and you think you have all these things in line, you're not really looking for growth. You're not really looking for that next next fresh revelation of God's goodness and his gospel grace in our lives. It stunts our growth. Pride forgets the past, ignores the present, and assumes the future. What has Paul done through this whole text? He's talked about our history and our hero, our heartache and our hopes, but pride forgets the past, ignores the present, and assumes the future. Here's another one is that pride puts us on the wrong team. The Bible says that God opposes the proud. I don't know about you, but I want to be on God's team. I don't want to be opposing God, right? We want to walk in humility. Pride puts us on the wrong team. So how how do we avoid this failure the Israelites experienced? First, we need to humbly recognize that pride is in all of us. The question isn't, am I prideful? The question is, where is pride rearing its ugly head in my heart today? Where is pride active in my life today? Then we learn from their example. Our hope in all of this is the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts, guiding us, protecting us, providing for us, just like he did for the Israelites when we see God doing this, we worship and pray and tell others of this amazing and gracious God who's done something in our hearts and in our lives. I don't know about you, but I tend to have a short memory. Not when things are going good. Not when, not when, when everything's fine in my life. I've got a great memory then. I mean, God's good. He's done all these great things in my life. He's awesome. You know, God's great. When, when my life's good and everything's going my way, I've got this great memory. I can recall all these blessings and, and powerful works God's done in my life. So, so my memory's good. But, but when, when real life hits and things get hard, my memory gets really, really short. I'm like, man, God, are you even here? Do you see what's happening? I, you know, I forget that he was there yesterday. <laughs> I mean, that's how short my memory can be. When life gets really hard and, and throws something at us we weren't expecting or, or whatever it may be, or just really suffering, really difficult times, my memory gets really short. And I'm like, man, is God even here? What, what do we do then? We think, hmm, how can I fix this? Now, this is what's going on in my life and I, I need to fix this. I need to get my hands dirty. I need to, I need to just take control, take charge, and just make sure that things go the way they I think that they should go. Right? So I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just get active right here on this thing, and I'm just gonna make the plan out. I'm just gonna make it happen. Exactly what the Israelites did in the wilderness. Hey, you promised us the land, it's not here yet. We're just gonna take control take charge. We're going to do this our way. Get our hands dirty. I see all these other people around us. We're the Israelites, but I see all these other people. They build these golden calves. Let's build this golden calf. Call it God. Maybe he'll give us his promised land. And we do the exact same thing. Short memory. They forgot the parted Red Sea, the miracle cloud, water from a rock. We forget this grace and mercy from God through Jesus Christ that came into our lives and changed us and, and began to change our lives. It changed our destiny. It changed our future. It gave us hope. Life doesn't quite go our way, and we just like, oh, no, no, I've got to get my hands dirty. We, have The best thing we can do, the best thing we can do, and, man, I'm, I'm going to preach to myself right now. Got to go to the Lord in prayer. If things aren't going your way, don't just make, it's not bad to make a plan. Don't get me wrong here. Let's make a plan, but make the plan after you make your prayer, <laughs> right? Don't make a plan apart from God. Man, if you're suffering, if you're going through a difficult time, spend time here. Spend time here. Just read through his word. God, what do you have for me? Man, this, is, this life is terrible right now. This is a mess. God, what do you have for me right here? And then just spend some time in prayer, praising God for who he is, God, you're so powerful. You're great. I thank you for what you've done in my life. I don't understand what's going on right now. This is a hot mess, but I trust you, God. What, are you, what would you have me do? So oftentimes, man, when things are going wrong, I just start to make a plan. I just want to get into it. Pull myself up by my bootstraps and make things work. And God say, no, 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 no. It's going to be hard work, but don't do it without me. Come to him. Remember, remember the history. Remember those times that he's pulled you out of the mess. Remember the times that he came at the very last minute. You're like, oh, man, this isn't going to work out. I'm at that last penny on my paycheck. God, I don't know where where'd that $300 come from. Remember our history. Remember our hero, Jesus, the work that he did. Man, the faithfulness of God over thousands of years to right then in time send his son. That's done what no one else could do for you and me. And then, man, let's remember our heartaches. Because you remember the last time you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps without prayer, without Jesus, and got your hands dirty? You got your hands dirty. And then you got the rest of your life a mess. Because without him, we have nothing. And then remember the hope. Remember the hope of eternity. When Jesus Christ, when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, it didn't just change your life in the now. It changed your life for eternity. And when we see life that way, when I'm in the mess, and I look at the history, the hero, the heartaches, and our hope in Christ for a future, and, man, that's power to live by. That's the gospel for you and me today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. And as Paul has reminded the church in Corinth and us here at Mission View and those joining us online today, we remember our history, not just our personal history, but the history of God's chosen people throughout the years of time. We remember our hero, Jesus Christ, who has made a way for us. And Lord, help us remember those heartaches when we've made mistakes and we tried to do things without you and we made a mess of things. And God, help us to remember our hope, our hope of eternity because of Jesus Christ. This life is but a vapor. It's gone here one day, gone in a second. And we have an eternity to look forward to with you, Father. God, I pray that this would sink deep into our hearts and change us for your glory and for your kingdom. Use us up, Father, for your good and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.